morning, everyone, and welcome into Wake and Take. It's your boy, Jason, and we have some football to talk about today. Yesterday was, of course, Sunday, which means tons of football happened, which means today I'm giving some reactions to what happened, and there's some fun ones this morning. I'm excited to get right on into it. So why don't we sit back, relax, sip our coffee, and enjoy the show. We're going to see how this goes. Uh, as as we've done this whole season, really, I've just made one overlay and kind of talked about it. This time, I made an overlay for every single player. So, so congratulations to the YouTube audience that tunes in and gets to see the full production. If you're listening on the podcast, if you're listening on Instagram, go to our YouTube, the Player Profiler YouTube, uh, busting this out on there every morning as well. And, you know, you get a little extra visual element that, that that's kind of neat. Get a little green screen action. Get a little uh, picture frame action. It's fun. It's cool. It's neat. But I want to talk about some of my takeaways. And my first one, this was this was honestly before games even started. I was setting my lineups, looking at players. And as you guys know, I've been saying to sell, sell Zay Flowers basically all season. And if you tune into the Trade Gods at all, we did a Trade Gods overtime last week where Zay Flowers was my sell of the week. So I'm just thinking about him. Thinking about some bargain bin players, as we talked about on the game plan on Saturday, and we were talking about Wandale Robinson being worth the 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 risk, maybe, as he should get a ton of targets, which, I mean, he got six. But then I was thinking about it. I was scratching my head. Is Zay Flowers just Wandale Robinson on the Ravens? Because that's what it's looking like to me. Both have extremely low average depth of targets. Both are 5'8 or 5'9. Both are 180 pounds. Both run a 4-4-40. Both have average burst and agility. They're both being used exactly the same. It's very, very interesting to me. Again, guys, sell your Zay Flowers. I know he's good, and I'm glad he's providing this floor for everyone, but I'm telling you, and I'll continue saying it, his ceiling is not that high. And even when he has that ceiling game, again, it's not going to be that high. We're talking about 20-something points. Not a, he's not going to give you a 30-burger. Not with Mark Andrews still on the field. But good. But yeah, so anyway, Zay Flowers, Wandale Robinson, the same exact player. Go pick up Wandale Robinson if still available. Sell Zay Flowers while you still can. Let's go ahead and talk about this London game as well. That was fun, right? And it was especially fun for Travis Etienne. And Travis Etienne managers as he's officially, truly a bell cow elite fantasy football option. He's been utilized out of the backfield as a receiver now multiple times this season already broken his record in games based on his career last year he didn't have a single game over three receptions this year he's had two such games yesterday he finished with four receptions for 48 yards and then on the ground 23 carries for 136 yards and two touchdowns great performance from travis Etienne, and we can expect a lot more of these over the season he is scoring points he's getting utilized heavily and I do think that he's finally been unlocked. I mean, the way he was used in Clemson is very similar to how he's being used now in Jacksonville. And if you remember, him and T-Law have that chemistry. I'm excited that we're finally seeing this clicking. It's really, really, really nice. So congratulations to everyone that took that third round shot on Travis Etienne. It is paying off in, in dividends, really. It's really, really nice. And Calvin Ridley, while having a fantastic week one and then falling off the past few weeks, comes back. This week, he finishes seven for 122, leading the Jaguars receivers in yards and receptions. 
Christian Kirk right behind him with six receptions, but almost half as many yards, only 78 for Christian Kirk. Calvin Ridley's going to be like this all season. He's going to have really good games and he's going to have some stinkers. That is kind of the nature of having a really good quarterback with some other good weapons is these really good quarterbacks, such as Trevor Lawrence, don't always just lock on to the main guy. I will say that it is at this point confirmed that Calvin Ridley is like the alpha, the number one wide receiver on this Jaguars team. And then it really just comes down to the coverage that he's going against and really the game plan week in, week out. It worked perfectly for him this week. The Bills' corners are not that good on the outside. Calvin Ridley able to get open, used in creative ways. Trevor Lawrence able to find him. And he looked good, too. Calvin Ridley has looked fantastic all season. So at this point, you've got to keep holding him. I'm not classifying him as a buy or a sell. Maybe a sell if you get a good return. But I think he's just really the epitome of a good receiver that you just hold on to on your team and hope that the weeks you do start him because you're never really going to bench him is the week that he's game planned well, but we'll probably be able to, you know, after a couple weeks, be able to tell when it's a Calvin Ridley game, when it's a Christian Kirk game, when it's an Everett Ingram game. And it seems that it'll always be a Zay Jones game as he's a really, really impressive third option in this offense, sometimes fourth, right? But he's scoring those touchdowns and getting utilized. He's getting those points. He did get injured. So you got to keep an eye on that, but still really every pass catcher here on the Jaguars offense is usable for sure. Uh, for the Buffalo Bills, I don't really have that many takeaways from the Buffalo Bills. What do you want me to say? Josh Allen is good. Stephon Diggs is good. Gabe Davis is boomer bust, and he had a boom week. I, I mean, not really much to take away. I will say, though, that it is concerning to see James Cook get negative four rush yards off of five carries. That's pretty bad. Uh, he luckily did get some receiving work out of the backfield, but definitely not utilized in the way I wanted him to. Uh, he honestly, I've started him in every league I have him. I mean, you kind of have to if you have James Cook. And it was a really, really disappointing Sunday for me. I hated seeing those points come up and then not even being utilized as they're coming back. You would expect some dump offs or something. It just was not happening. So that's kind of a concern, but I think it'll be okay. The Jaguars have been pretty decent against running backs, so I'm not going to panic yet. But if he has another negative yards off of multiple carries, that is not good. Not a good sign. Desmond Ritter. Desmond Ritter, guys, you know, after I finally kind of write him off, finally, just like, you know what? I was wrong about Desmond Ritter plays ball. Right. And this is kind of hilarious. Every week I've benched him in Scott Fishbowl. He's got he's played well every single week. I've benched him in Scott Fishbowl. He's played well. He's on my Scott Fishbowl team. And I just never had the gonads to start him. And then, of course, every time I bench him, oh, he does well. And when I start him, he's, he's fine. But this is a great game for him. And I love it. I love seeing this from Desmond Ritter. Thirty. 37 to 30, 38 of 47, I believe, 329 yards, one touchdown, zero interceptions, and even had himself a rushing touchdown. John U. Smith, Kyle Pitts, and Drake London had decent games. Kyle Pitts, seven for 87. John U. Smith, six for 67. Drake London, six for 78. And Bijan Robinson only had two receptions in this game, two receptions for 12 yards and a touchdown and 46 rush yards on the ground for him. So that means that this was a passing game, which was really surprising going into this. I mean, the Texans had been really good against pass. Uh, so you would expect a very heavy run game. And I mean, it was right. I mean, Bijan Robinson and Travis Etienne both had over 50 or over 14 carries. It was a lot of running, but it was a Desmond Ritter game. And he played, I mean, he played really well. I, there's no way around it. Desmond Ritter looked fantastic. And the biggest thing for me, the biggest, biggest thing for me, is the ice in the veins. And this is what we talked about 
with the Packers where I finally, where I was like, Hey, you know what, Desmond Ritter, you know what, maybe he does have it right. Like he plays really well in the fourth quarter. He pulls off the comeback against the Packers. Well, he does it again against the Texans who had been stingy all season. Jalen Petrie had a career game. I mean, was playing lights out uh, and uh, he did it right. A two minute drill to go down and get a game winning field goal. He does it. ice in his veins. That's what you want to see from franchise quarterbacks. And uh, again, as the leash got shorter last week, the leash gets longer again for Desmond Ritter. It is painful. It is painful. Because as we saw last year with the Falcons, they took forever to go away from Marcus Mariota. They waited till I think it was week 13, week 13, week 14, before Desmond Ritter got action. I think it was 14. Week 14 before games because there's the bye week, all of that fun stuff. It was week 14, I believe. So Desmond Ritter is going to have to have like three games in a row with three turnovers before Taylor Heineke sees the field. This was a very encouraging performance for him, and he did increase his leash. Desmond Ritter is going to be the quarterback for at least three, four more games. Great win for him. Great team win for the Falcons. The defense looked great. They made C.J. Stroud look human. C.J. Stroud looked human after a great season so far. He was only fine, right? I mean, still a good day for him. 20 of 35, 250 yards at a touchdown. Tank Dell got a concussion, and Tank Dell was looking good before the concussion. I think that did ultimately hurt him. Dalton Schultz was the leading receiver, 7 for 65 and a touchdown. This was his first game with more than four receptions and 45 yards. And exactly as I called it, you had to bench Nico Collins this week. It did not work out. Really tough matchup for him against the Falcons. Wide receiver ones have not been doing well against them. This defense has been spectacular. Uh, And again, made CJ Stroud look human. But that's fine, right? CJ Stroud looking human, no turnovers again, still looking great, still looking great, just not a ceiling game. And that's fine. You're going to see that. Bryce Young, though, Bryce Young looks fine. Bryce Young, I do believe as I, I mean, I've talked about this last week a little bit. I do believe the Bryce Young breakout is coming. I do firmly believe the Bryce Young breakout is coming. He's getting better every single week. This week, 25 of 41, three touchdowns, two interceptions. One of them was awful, uh, not necessarily his fault. He tried to dump it off to the tight end that was still in the pocket with him, and that just doesn't really work. Um, And it was able to get picked off by Aiden Hutchinson, of all people. Those aren't going to happen again. Learning moment for him. And that's what this is about, right? This is a true rookie quarterback, normal, par for the course The only reason people were thinking he was bad is because they were unfortunately comparing him to CJ Stroud's early breakout, Anthony Richardson's early breakout. Anthony Richard or Bryce Young is fine and he's going to continue to be fine. Looking good, looking really, really good. I bought him in a league and I'm happy I did because not only did I buy him, I was also able to get Jonathan Mingo. And as you guys know, last week I talked about this with the Terrace Marshall comparison Terrace Marshall the past two weeks had over five targets but in those two weeks Mingo was out and what did I say last week on this episode on the week four overreactions when Mingo comes back Terrace Marshall will not be and well what did we see Jonathan Mingo five of seven for 48 yards Terrace Marshall big ass zero targets 
That's why you tune into the wake and take, ladies and gentlemen. That is why you do it. Adam Thielen continuing to play well, 11 for 107 and a touchdown. And Hayden Hurst. Hayden Hurst is unfortunately kill. Hayden Hurst is kill. Three for 21. This is three straight weeks now with only three receptions, or four straight weeks now. Ian Thomas and Tommy Tremble were both involved in this game. It is looking like a true tight end committee down in Carolina, which you never want to see. Earlier in the season, it was looking like Hayden Hurst was going to be able to be a weekend, week out starter, looking to be the safety blanket for Bryce Young. It's not true. That's Adam Thielen, and it's going to be Mingo soon, and hopefully whoever they bring in. And who they're bringing in is Jerry Judy. Jerry Judy is going to be a Carolina Panther. Why do I say this? Well, they're looking for a wide receiver one based on the latest reports. And Jerry Judy, to me, checks the boxes of every single player they could want. He's young, about to go into his second contract without much of a production, so he's not going to be crazy expensive. Um, and the Broncos are looking to sell him or Cortland Sutton. I think it would end up being Judy, really just because they he checks the Panthers' boxes more. Jerry Judy yesterday finishes 6 of 7 for 50. I believe they were utilizing Judy so heavily. And it's funny to even say heavily with only seven targets, but no one else on the team had even close to that. Cortland Sutton only had one reception. I think they're doing that to elevate the trade value and to also see what they have, right? Feed Jerry Judy this week. If he plays well, right, then we can get more for him. If he plays normal, then we'll probably be fine without him and we can move him. That's what they found out. Jerry Judy will be traded this week or next to the Carolina Panthers. Keep your eyes peeled. Keep your eyes peeled. I'm calling it here. Um, let's move on to the next overreaction, next little takeaway. And we'll talk about the Lions here because they are really good at football. And not only are the Lions really good at football, it's Jerry Goff, man. Jerry Goff is playing unbelievably this season. In a game without Amon Ross St. Brown, in a game without Jameer Gibbs, Jared Goff goes 20-28 for 236 yards, three touchdowns, and a rush touching, rushing touchdown with no turnovers. Absolutely fantastic. And it was Sam Laporta, of course, getting two touchdowns as expected without Amon Ross St. Brown or Jameer Gibbs in. It made way too much sense for Sam Laporta to perform, and that's what he did. Sam Laporta, an awesome value this offseason. Congratulations to everyone that get him. I just want to go ahead and give that round of applause out. But just this Lions offense in general, is spectacular. David Montgomery, 19 for 100 yards and a touchdown. Craig Reynolds even got himself 52 rush yards and a touchdown. Absolutely amazing. But you might be asking yourself, as I did, what did Jamison Williams do? This was Jamison Williams' first game back. Well, he finishes the day two of three for two yards. He had 47% of snaps, which actually isn't that bad when you put it into perspective. When you're like, oh, he only played 47% of snaps, that makes sense as to why he wasn't utilized that much, didn't get that much usage, didn't perform that well. Well, well, Josh Reynolds also only played 47% of snaps, and Josh Reynolds had four receptions for 76 yards and a touchdown. Khalif Raymond played 48% of the snaps and also was utilized a bit heavily. Now, I'm not writing off JMO for this, right? I mean, it, it was already expected that he wouldn't be utilized heavily. The Lions didn't even expect him to be ready for this game. It came out of nowhere that his suspension would be reduced. 
So I'm not panicking yet. I would use this opportunity to still try to buy him. I think that once he is fully ramped up, he will be special. It's just going to take a little bit more time. I was hoping they would just fully unleash him immediately, but they aren't. And I do think with Amon Ross St. Brown back, that'll help him as well. Just when an offense is fully clicking, the pie gets larger. That's as, as Theo Greminger always says. So look for this to be a good value right now. Look to buy some Jamison Williams as he starts off slow, because once that ceiling games happen, happens, it's over. It's over. You're not going to be able to get Jamison Williams anymore. DeAndre Hopkins finally had himself a good game. DeAndre Hopkins finally played well. DeAndre Hopkins finishes the day with 140 receiving yards off of eight receptions. This is in a game without Traylon Burks, so it does make sense. Now we know, right? If Traylon Burks is out, you can start DeAndre Hopkins with confidence. No problem. And Tajay Spears is another big storyline here for the Tennessee Titans. Tajay Spears scores his, I think it's his first touchdown. Maybe not. He scores a touchdown. And he has seven carries for 34 yards and a touchdown. And also had four receptions for 35 yards. Passes the eye test as well. He just looks really good with the ball in his hands. And he's continuing to perform well. I like the dynamic between him and Derrick Henry. I think it's good. I think it's neat. And I do think that if anything ever happens to Derrick Henry, Tajay Spears' opportunity will go up a little bit for sure. Not all the way, as I do believe that other running back there will still get some work. The name's slipping me right now. Who cares? Uh, but still, Tajay Spears getting the receiving work, looking good on the ground as well, looking like a decent buy. Definitely going to recommend picking him up on tomorrow's waiver wire episode. In this same game, we unfortunately had an injury to Anthony Richardson. Anthony Richardson keeps getting hurt no matter what, right? It's it's his play style. It has to be his play style. Anthony Richardson is not able to stay healthy right now. I can't find the overlay. I know I made it. Um, okay. Yeah, Anthony Richardson just cannot stay healthy. Uh, he had a shoulder injury, left the game. Comes out that it was a grade 3 AC joint sprain per Ian Rappaport. With this type of injury, it is expected that he'll miss at least a month. And potentially more could land on the IR. And what this issue is, is more of a pain management and also it's his throwing shoulder. So it depends on recovery, if he needs a surgery, all that kind of stuff. They're waiting on an MRI to see the full severity of it. If he can avoid surgery, that's going to be really good news. Having to get surgery would put a damper on things. But guys, you have to use this opportunity to buy him. I know that you would be concerned given that he's been hurt basically every single game this year, and it's always something new as well. It seems to be he just plays a bit too aggressive. But hopefully, you know, with this injury, the coaching staff is like, all right, Anthony, we get it. You're really good at football. You play tough, but you can't get hurt every week. Please, please, please think about getting hurt every week. And so I think that this will be a learning opportunity for him, and it'll be a good time for him to kind of reset. It's always good when you can watch a veteran quarterback operate your offense. I think Bryce Young, for example, learned a decent bit from Andy Dalton. As we can see, he's fed Adam Thielen in the same way that Andy Dalton did. So I think with Gardner Minshew taking over and showing Anthony Richardson some other fun things that he could do in his offense, that'll be a positive. That'll be a really big positive for him. Gardner Minshew finishes the day yesterday 11 of 14 for 155 yards, no turnovers. And Josh Downs finished 6 of 6 for 97 yards. 
pretty, pretty good. I, as we talked about, it was two, three weeks ago, maybe at this point, Josh Downs was someone to pick up as it was looking like his role was going to continue to increase. Well, here it is. It is increasing. He was the leading receiver this week. And I do think it'll continue to be that way. Um, really for the rest of the season, right? I think Gardner Minshew will latch on to Josh Downs. And then as such, when Anthony Richardson returns, I think that he'll see that working really well and also want to implement that into his game. We will have to keep an eye on how Jelani Woods uh, plays when he's returns and how many targets he takes away because it's a similar part of the field, but still Josh Downs, a good pickup if still available. And I could see his role increasing even more than just six for six for 97 yards. I think we could be seeing even more usage for him. All right, guys, the worst team in the NFL. I think it's I think it's certain at this point. I really do. I think at this point, the New York Giants are the worst team in the NFL. There's no way to put it. There's no nice way to put it. They are really, really bad at football. This week against the Dolphins, of course, they were going to lose, but it was abysmal. They couldn't get anything going. <laughs> and unfortunately, Daniel Jones got six, sacked six times. And on that sixth sack he had a neck injury allowing tyrod taylor to step in tyrod taylor finished nine as well for 86 yards keep your eye on the severity of this injury i'm not gonna pick up tyrod taylor even in super flex leagues i probably might not unless i'm extremely extremely desperate there's no need to pick him up unless you're starting him is what i'll say if you're starting him yes you can pick him up of course some points are better than no points but with the way this offensive line is playing in the offense as a whole, you don't want a part of it anyway. So why would you want the backup quarterback, especially one who's kind of been washed out of the league? So Giants, worst team in the NFL. They're awful. It's terrible. It's really, really bad. Darren Waller, though, had his best game of the year, had 11 targets, finished eight for 86. Not terrible, not bad, not bad at all. Uh, but that might be his ceiling. <laughs> Isn't that crazy? That might be his ceiling. Like, that might be the best game we get from Darren Waller all year. Eight receptions for 86 yards and no touchdowns. I mean, that was fantastic usage. Hopefully they see that and continue to use him in that in that way. But I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna bet on it. This Giants team is really, really, really bad. Really, really bad. A team that's not really bad, though, of course, was their opponent, the Miami Dolphins. Devon A. Chain, 151 yards and a touchdown, continuing to look like a star. I saw on the Dynasty subreddit, Dynasty Fantasy Football subreddit, there was a thread calling him the RB1 in Dynasty. That's how far we've come. That's how big the hype is. And I don't hate it. I mean, I'm still going to give it to Bijan Robinson, no doubt. But the way he's playing, the way he looks, I mean, it is not only passing the eye test, but passing the box score as well. I mean, he is really, really good at football, always breaking a long run. So if you have Devon A-Chain on your team, you have to start him every single week over anyone. I mean, like, you, you have to put him into your lineup no matter what. Like, literally no matter what, he is starting. But everyone on this Dolphins team, right? Tyreek Hill, 181 yards and a touchdown. Jalen Waddle, 35 yards and a touchdown. Raheem Mostert, 65 yards and a touchdown. And Tua finishes with over 300 pass yards and two touchdowns as well. The Miami Dolphins offense is one of the best in the league, if not the best in the league. Extremely fun to watch. Congratulations to the Dolphins as they've gone through some tough years in the past, but they finally have it all together and seem to have one of the best coaches in the NFL in Mike McDaniel really scheming up some special, special stuff for his talented, 
talented players. We have a problem in New England within the AFC East as well. The Patriots are not good. The Patriots are really bad at football. Bill Belichick is on his way out. And Mac Jones might be on his way out again. He gets benched for the second time this year for Bailey Zappi as he went 12-22 for only 110 yards and two interceptions. Ezekiel Elliott led the Patriots in receiving in, or in receptions. Zeke had the most receptions among the Patriots, just couldn't get it done at all. Unfortunately, also Bailey Zappi didn't look good. Three for nine for 22 yards. So it could just be the Saints defense was fantastic and they eh, just giving them fits. But still, Mac Jones does not look good. Uh, I don't know if it's Bill Belichick. I don't know if it's Mac Jones. I don't know what it is, but looking really bad, as is the entire New England Patriots, is they got shut out by the Saints, who aren't really that good. They're fine. But I am concerned. I mean, this is the Patriots, right? This is what they do. But I am a little bit concerned, just a little bit concerned, about Chris Olave. Chris Olave now has back-to-back weeks uh, that are bad. <laughs> Last week, he had one reception for four yards. This week, he has two receptions for 12 yards. Granted, these two weeks have been with injured Derek Carr, which is a problem. You don't want your wide receiver being this bad with an injured quarterback. Derek Carr, 18-26 for 183 yards and two touchdowns. But Olave, only two receptions for 12 yards. Not good. Not good at all. But Alvin Kamara is good. Alvin Kamara is a true, true stud. He's getting utilized really well. Kamara, 22 for 80 and a touchdown. Also three receptions for 17 yards. Of course, he wasn't going to have 13 receptions again. That was really, really spectacular um, that he was able to do that in his first game back. Uh, more than likely a game script thing as they were ahead a lot. So I think as the Saints, you know, have these closer games. Um, you can definitely continue to rely on Alvin Kamara to even get more receptions. Alvin Kamara looking like an RB1, right? Like if he keeps playing like this, he literally looks like the best running back in the league. Literally looks like the best running back in the league sometimes, which is just fantastic, right? Uh, that's how we used to be. Looks like old Alvin Kamara. I'm glad to see it. Glad to see it for sure. And I hope he keeps it up. I hope he does. And congratulations to everyone that uh, drafted him at that value. It was a good value. It was a really good value. Next up, let's talk a little bit about the uh, Ravens, as they don't look that good to me. To me, they do not look good. They really don't. Uh, they look fine. They look totally fine, but that's where I'll leave it. They haven't crossed the 30 points yet this season, and they only scored 10 yesterday against the Steelers. Lamar Jackson, 22 of 38 for 236 yards and an interception, 45 rush yards, no touchdowns. Zay Flowers, five receptions for 73 yards. Mark Andrews, six receptions for 65 yards. This is fine. And this is what I think that you just got to expect from the Ravens. This kind of yardage with some touchdowns sprinkled in every single week, uh, more than likely. This week, you know, the touchdowns weren't there. Justice Hill got the touchdown, of course, right? Of course, Justice Hill gets the touchdown. But still, the Ravens' offense in general, to me, looks meh. And I can't imagine it getting much better than meh. I mean, compared to the actual good offenses in this league, the Ravens aren't among them. And, you know, it's their first year with a new offensive coordinator, so that makes sense. But I think a lot of people were hyped and expecting Todd Munkin to make this offense look a lot better than it has. They've looked good, don't get me wrong, but really just good. Someone else that's just good, and even maybe even not even that that that, that far, is Najee Harris. As Najee Harris uh, 
continues to be out carried or not out carried, but just really out produced and similar usage, I guess is how I would put it. Him and Jalen Warren are basically neck and neck. Jalen Warren is doing better. Jalen Warren, nine for 40 and also three receptions for 39 yards. Najee Harris, 14 carries for only 37 yards and one reception for three. You can't start either of these guys unless an injury happens. You can't start either of the Steelers running backs unless an injury happens. You can't. You've either got to start both and hope one of them pops off or you start neither or you see if an injury happens and you take one. But it's just ridiculous right now. Najee Harris is not looking good, and I'm sorry because I was expecting him to look good this year. I don't understand how he looked better last year with a least Frank injury. I think that's ridiculous that he looked better with a broken foot, but I guess that's just how he works. I don't know. Uh, I hope he can stay healthy and finish this year, but I want him to produce better as well because it is kind of ridiculous that he's not performing as well as he should be, given that now the health is there. So Najee Harris, you can't really sell right now, but you also can't really start him. You also can't really start him. And you can't really start Jalen Warren either because Najee Harris is still getting used more. So um, tough call here for sure with the Steelers running backs looking like a extremely murky situation. George Pickens, though, continues to look fantastic. George Pickens is amazing at football. George Pickens finishes the day 6 of 10 for 130 yards and a touchdown. Also 16 rushing yards. That touchdown was a game-winning touchdown as well. Ice in his veins, looking like a dog. Great value at his ADP. I'm glad that he's finally performing. He had been a little bit slow with Deontay Johnson out, but I'm glad now that that now that Deontay and Fryermuth was out, he was able to perform. I was a little worried that he was turning into one of those wide receivers that needs help around him, but no, but no. George Pickens looking fantastic, and uh, you know every week starter here on out, looking good, looking good, guys. As predicted. The Jamar Chase game finally happened as we broke down this game, as we broke down the T. Higgins injury. The only thing I said was Jamar Chase game. I said Jamar Chase is going to get like 20 targets and 15 receptions. What does he do? He gets 19 targets, 15 receptions, 192 yards, and three touchdowns. And it was so easy to expect, right? Joe Burrow, not 100%, although after this game, I think we could say he's 100%. He looked fantastic. But in that case, with the wide receiver out at T. Higgins, you rely on your playmakers. And with Joe Mixon not playing well, Irv Smith being injured all the time, that means it was going to be the Jamar Chase game. And boy, was it a fantastic game from Jamar Chase. In all the leagues I have him, I won those matchups. Uh, and really thanks to him. Just a remarkable performance. And there's going to be plenty more of those. And that's why we made him the dynasty wide receiver one here at Player Profiler. And in my rankings, I mean, just fantastic, fantastic, fantastic stuff. And he gets to be attached to Joe Burrow for really his entire career. And Joe Burrow, as mentioned, looked fantastic as well. I think Joe Burrow is back 36 of 46, 317 yards and three touchdowns. He's got to be back. If you're playing like that, hitting the deep passes, it was really, really incredible watching them string some of this stuff together. And I mean, the Cardinals defense had looked good all year. Right. I mean, they looked pretty damn decent. They had been really stingy. But, you know, the Bengals giving it to him. Joe Burrow being Joe Cool being Joe Burr. Crushing it. Giving a fantastic performance against the Cardinals. Great to see that he's back. Great to see Jamar Chase is back. And then the one of the things I did want to watch here is how the targets would be distributed 
with T. Higgins out. So here's a little takeaway on that front. Trenton Irwin got 10 targets, guys. Trenton Irwin. So he out-targeted Tyler Boyd, and he did a lot of a lot with it. Off of his 10 targets, he had eight receptions for 60 yards. Very respectable performance. You can't complain about that at all. Uh, and then Andre Eosivas, you know, one of the people I wanted to watch as he was a preseason darling and a decent uh, profile, finished the day with two targets. Charlie Football had zero targets. Uh, it's looking like both of those options, the rookie wide receivers they brought in, aren't going to be utilized until 2024. I was hoping they could, you know, ramp up Eosivas, but they didn't. And Trenton Irwin played well enough that they can just continue rolling with that. Irv Smith isn't going to be a thing either. Irv Smith is just not going to be a thing this year. James Conner got hurt. James Conner got hurt. He had been playing well all season, but now it's looking like he is battling a knee injury. The severity of it is unknown, but his backup, Amari DiMercato, is not that bad. He finishes the day 10 for 45 and a touchdown and also had a 12-yard reception. Going to be someone you need to pick up uh, as he will get a decent bit of volume. Keontae Ingram's been a little banged up as well. But even with Keontae Ingram back, uh, Imari DiMercato was outproducing and outsnapping Keontae Ingram even when they were both on the field. So it is going to be the Ingram backfield if this injury is severe. It could be a committee, and there could be some value in both of them, but I'm going to take my shot on DiMercato first. Michael Wilson faded to nothing. After a great week for him, he only had one reception this week. Michael Wilson finishes the day, one reception for 18 yards. I was hoping he could keep things going, but, you know, maybe the genie was out of the bottle. I mean, the Bengals' defense is stingy in their own right as well. Rondell Moore and Marquise Brown both got utilized fairly heavily, so it just wasn't a Michael Wilson game. But I do think that at some point Michael Wilson will bounce back. Look to see if he gets dropped in a few leagues. You know, people might be upset that they picked him up chasing those two touchdowns, and then he does nothing. It's possible he gets dropped, so just keep your eye on that. He is definitely worth rostering. Let's talk about the Eagles as they are crushing it as expected, right? I mean, they were just in the Super Bowl, so, I mean, it makes sense that they'd be crushing it. But it was DeAndre Swift again. DeAndre Swift again crosses 100 yards. He has 70 rushing yards, 38 receiving yards, six receptions, by the way, six receptions for DeAndre Swift. Looking like a true steal at his ADP. Looking fantastic. Gainwell has been reduced to backup. And DeAndre Swift is playing phenomenally. Phenomenally. So I love it. I love it. I love it. And Jalen Hurts is dealing. Jalen Hurts, 25 to 38 for 300 yards and a touchdown. A.J. Brown, six receptions for 127 yards. Dallas Goddard, eight receptions for 117 yards. Both of them, great, great days. A.J. Brown, after his fit, has been fantastic. The squeaky wheel gets the grease, and the quiet wheel doesn't, and that's Devontae Smith, one for six. And he's going to continue to be like that. Devontae Smith, you know, just wants to play football. wants to be out there and have some fun. It doesn't seem like he cares if he gets the targets or not. So unless Devontae Smith has a temper tantrum, I think it's going to keep going to A.J. Brown as the squeaky wheel does get the grease. But still, Devontae Smith has better days ahead. This is a buying window for him, for sure. He's still a former Heisman winning wide receiver on one of the best offenses in the league. You don't have to overthink it. Still go by Devontae Smith. You've got to. The Rams wide receivers, that was something that we needed to keep an eye on as Cooper Cup was returning. Uh, and here's how it went. Cooper Cup finishes the day. 
uh, with 118 receiving yards off of eight receptions with 12 targets. Pukunakua had 11 targets, seven receptions for 71 yards and a touchdown. Tutu Atwell had two targets. He brought them both in for nine yards and a touchdown. And Tyler Higby had two receptions for 20. So it looks like one game sample size, but it looks like it's going to be Coop and Pook. Coop and Pook. Cooper Cup and Puka Nakua going forward. Those are going to be the two receivers. The other guys will be sprinkled in. But it seems like it's going to be consolidated between the two. That makes sense, and I kind of like it. I do kind of like it. So uh, still buy Pukunakua, really. I mean, unless he's really crazy expensive, but it's looking like Pukunakua really is locked into a significant role on this offense. And I mean, obviously, so is Cooper Cup. Congratulations to the people who took the chance on him after the injury. I have an injured team. I have a Cooper Cup, Jonathan Taylor squad. Got my first win of the season this week with that one. So that was cool to see, and I hope it keeps going up. Um, but yeah, the Rams consolidating between Cooper Cup and Pukunakua. We had a Broncos game, and all year, right, the Broncos had been letting people beat up on them. So a lot of people, myself included, especially after he looked decent last week, expected Zach Wilson to keep things rolling against an easy defense. While he did it, the Broncos made Zach Wilson go back to earth. Zach Wilson finishes the day 16-26, 199 yards, no touchdowns, and an interception. However, he did still feed his tight end. So guys, Tyler Conklin looking like a true value in every week starter, especially in tight end premium leagues. He leads the Jets this week with 67 yards. He's had five or more targets in every single game with Zach Wilson. They clearly, clearly have a connection together, but it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter because Brees Hall is back. Brees Hall is fantastic. Brees Hall finishes the day 22 for 177 and a touchdown. Also had three receptions for 17 yards. Brees Hall is phenomenal. Brees Hall is phenomenal. He is so good at football. We knew going into this game that it was going to happen. Everyone knew, right? I mean, they came out and said he no longer has a snap share against the easiest defense in the world. And this was the defense he tore his ACL against. So that's a little extra motivation for Brees Hall. And boy, did he capitalize. It was amazing. It was amazing. Uh, I'm glad he's back. Congratulations to everyone that bought him in this buy window. It has shut. No more Brees Hall body. Jaleel McLaughlin. Jaleel McLaughlin looked pretty good. He looked pretty good. He finished the day nine for 68 and also three receptions for 21 yards and a touchdown. A good pickup. Looking like he's going to have a decent role when Javante Williams returns as well because he did better than Javante Williams had all season. Uh, and looked good in the in the relief for Javante Williams last week when he got injured. So, yeah. So, yeah. Look for McLaughlin to continue to produce, continue to be pretty decent. I liked it. Looked good. Uh, that was a nice pickup last week. Nice pickup. Nice little guy. Nice little story, right? Jaleel McLaughlin looking good. Impressing at camp all offseason. Now he's impressing in real games. Looking like the truth. Looking like the truth. And, of course, the truth is Travis Kelsey. Travis Kelsey is none other than the truth. The guy gets injured, and what, what the initial diagnosis or what I read was that it was probably a low ankle sprain, but he gets that, and then goes out and scores a touchdown, finishes the day uh, 10 for 67 and a touchdown, looking great. Travis Kelsey is Travis Kelsey and Taylor Swift, right? I'm sure that, you know, that's a little extra motivation for him. 
keep an eye on that injury as the, though, because they do have a short week this week. Um, so it's possible he misses this week again if this injury is pretty bad. Again, he did come back out and score a touchdown after getting injured, but still um, you, you don't want to see those types of injuries and they can end up being worse. You know, the adrenaline does play into it here. So just keep your eye on it. If that happens, it's going to be like this, as it has been. Patrick Mahomes spreads the ball almost too much. Justin Watson, two receptions. Rashi Rice, four receptions. Justin Ross, two receptions. Kadarius Toney, five receptions. Noah Gray, two receptions. Jarek McKinnon, two receptions. Marcus Valdez-Scantling, one reception. Sky Moore, two receptions. Isaiah Pacheco, one reception. And Travis Kelsey's 10 receptions. 10 different people caught the ball for the Kansas City Chiefs on Sunday. It spread too much. You can't start any Chiefs receiver not named Kelsey. This is what I've been saying. I'm still selling Rashi Rice after he scores this touchdown. I don't care that he's locked into the true number one Chiefs receiver role. It's Travis Kelsey. It gets spread too much. And if Travis Kelsey retires, it's going to continue to get spread too much. They can keep bringing in these middling wide receivers and Patrick Mahomes will make them look like superstars. Sell your Sky Moors, sell your Rashi Rices, sell them, sell them, sell them. You can't be confident starting a single one of them any week. You just can't. You just can't. And guys, as I said, as I said last week, Cam Akers is going to happen. It's going to take some time, but it's starting to develop here. Yesterday, Cam Akers had five carries to Alexander Madison's eight and this was a game that stayed competitive the whole time, really. I mean, they were trying to make a comeback uh, for the most part. So, uh, and Justin Jefferson was out. So they kind of had to abandon the run game. But still, to see them get similar usage and be similarly productive means to me that Cam Akers' role will continue to increase. They both averaged about three yards per carry. This is a committee going forward. I guarantee it. And then at some point, Cam Akers will be the bell cow once an injury unfortunately happens to Alexander Madison, not wishing it on him, of course, but I really do think that Cam Akers will pop off at some point. I really, really do. So I mentioned JJ's hamstring injury. Here's all the people that caught the ball, not named Justin Jefferson. Jordan Addison had six receptions. uh, TJ Hawkinson had five receptions. KJ Osborne had five receptions. Brandon Powell had four receptions. Alexander Madison had two receptions. Uh, Johnny Munt had a reception. Cam Akers had two receptions. Someone else had a reception too. The text is too blurry for me on the screenshot I took for some reason. I, I don't even know the name. But basically, again, being spread out. But Jordan Addison, of course, is the one you want. Finishes the day with 64 yards and a touchdown. It's going to be like that, really, if Justin Jefferson is out. But also all season. It's Justin Jefferson, TJ Hawkinson, Jordan Addison, sometimes KJ Osborne. But Jordan Addison continuing to look good again. Take Say Flowers, get Jordan Addison. Take Say Flowers, get JSN Plus. Both of these rookie wide receivers are better than Zay Flowers. Jordan Addison has already proved it. JSN will prove it at some point. But again, Jordan Addison looking fantastic, looking like a true value at ADP, looking like a good rookie draft, looking like a decent buy opportunity as well as it's still kind of quiet, still kind of quiet. No like true like over-the-top performances here, just looking good, just producing in a decent manner. And finally, our Sunday night football game will start things off with Brock Purdy, as Brock Purdy is just spectacular. Brock Purdy has locked himself into the franchise quarterback and has also made himself known as more than just a system quarterback. 
He is a system quarterback in that, you know, it helps him, right, being on the 49ers. But he's also just a really good quarterback. He finishes the day 17-24 for 250 yards and four touchdowns. Spread it around immaculately. IU looked good again, 4-7 for 58. George Kittle, though, finishes the day with three receptions for 67 yards and three touchdowns. All of George Kittle's receptions were touchdowns. That's really, really neat. Really, really cool. I mean, these 49er weapons are spectacular, of course, helping Brock Purdy. But Brock Purdy is doing an excellent job finding the open receiver and operating this offense at a high level. Just want to give a round of applause to Brock Purdy. I really do. I mean, just a great, great, great story. And I love to see him continuously producing in the manner he is. And Jordan Mason, I think, might at this point have taken over the backup running back job. Elijah Mitchell was out, but Jordan Mason just looked good. Jordan Mason, 10 for 69 and a touchdown. Elijah Mitchell in his only opportunity in, with similar usage, he had 11 carries and three receptions, but only 44 yards and no touchdowns. And with Elijah Mitchell's injury history, how often he seems to be hurt, I honestly could see the 49ers just moving away from him or sprinkling him in a lot less, just hoping he can break one and using Jordan Matt Mason as their true backup because he looked good and is a bit more bulky, can withstand the hits and the usage a little bit better than Elijah Mitchell can, at least seemingly based on how this thing has gone, Elijah Mitchell's injury history and how Jordan Mason looked this week. And Christian McCaffrey, of course, looked good again. He scored his 14th straight touchdown, just insane performances from him. Dak Prescott is bad at football. I don't know how much of da this Dak stuff is McCarthy, but Zach Dak Prescott just simply is not good. Dak Prescott finishes the day 17 of 24, 250, or sorry, that was the Brock Purdy stat, 14 of 24, 153 yards and a touchdown. But, 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 but also three interceptions. Just not good. Just not good. Dak Prescott, not good at football. Again, I don't know how much of it is McCarthy, but Dak Prescott has not impressed really all season. CeeDee Lamb shouldn't be your leading receiver with only four receptions for 49 yards in a game where you're behind the whole time. It was just bad. The Cowboys only scored 10 points. They looked like frauds against the 49ers. I'll say it. The Cowboys looked like frauds. It was just not a good performance by anyone, by anyone. The 49ers defense, of course, spectacular, but even Josh Dobbs looked better than these Cowboys did, than Dak Prescott did against this team. You've got to move on from Dak. And like I said last week, you've got to sell your Cowboys. And unfortunately, this was one of the opportunities that should have arrived, right? Like I was saying, it looks like against, or it looks like the Cowboys just don't have to do anything on offense when they play normal opponents because they're shutting them out and they don't have to score a lot of points they can just keep milking the clock and then a game where it's competitive and they have garbage time they also do nothing so this Cowboys offense just not a good one for fantasy football great 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 football team but the overlap with fantasy football value is not there CD Lamb is too expensive Dak Prescott is too expensive Tony Pollard is too expensive you can sell these guys comfortably you definitely can those are my overreactions from week five. I hope you guys enjoyed those. That was fun to talk about all the good storylines from this week. Let's go ahead, check out the chat, see if you guys have any questions here. Good morning to you all. 
uh, somebody says, aren't the Patriots the worst team? Maybe. I just give a little bit of hope to that Patriots defense and hope that Bill Belichick can turn it around. But the Patriots also have a case to be the worst team. I mean, it's just awful. It is just awful. <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, that's really it. That, that, those were the only things. Should you trade CD and Garrett Wilson for Derrick Henry and Marquise Brown? Uh, if it's Dynasty, I think you've just got to hold both of those assets. In redraft two, I think you've got to hold. I would be looking for a more significant return for CD Lamb and Garrett Wilson. But, I mean, it's not the worst in the world. I would maybe ask for, like, one more player to be thrown in around that same caliber, you know, around that Marquise Brown range, I think would be someone good to throw in uh, because I do think you're you're losing some value here for sure, Pat's football. On Instagram, somebody asked what to do with CD. I think you should sell him. Um, and that looks to be it. That looks to be it. Sorry to someone here who comments that the Bengals are ruining their fantasy football tank. That does suck. You know, you could have traded for Joe Burrow last week as a tank commander. Now it's looking like he's leaning you to uh, revive your team, really looking to revive your team. And my thoughts on Jamison Williams are that don't panic. Just wait. They weren't expecting him back yet at all. So, you know, I, it makes sense that he wasn't utilized heavily. I'm not panicking on Jamison Williams yet. If he's still not utilized heavily, still not producing in three, four weeks, that's when I'll be panicking for sure. Uh, but for now, Hold tight, see what happens. Way too much ceiling to move on from Jamison Williams. All right, guys, thank you so much for tuning in. This was another fun episode of The Wake and Take. I was Jason. You guys were a fantastic audience. This was The Wake and Take. You guys all have a magnificent Monday and a wonderful rest of your week. I'll see you all tomorrow with some Monday Night Football reactions, some waiver wire advice and maybe some injury news as well. So make sure you tune in on the Player Profiler YouTube, Facebook, and Instagram at 10 a.m. Eastern. Peace.